once more. Andrew P. Street and I are back in the same room. Hello, Andrew. It's so nice to be in this room. It is nice it's to be nice in this room. room. Look, it's going to be nicer, though, next Tuesday night at Giant Dwarf in Redfern. This is true. Pre-show plug, as usual. Uh, when we sit down with Christina Keneally, a former Premier, and Mark Humphreys, former friend of the show, a current friend of the show. And possibly future Premier. We can't, we can't be sure of He'd that. He'd be very good. He'd be pretty good, actually. We will talk many things. It'll be a week before the budget. It's going to be a pre-mortem. Normally, you get your post-mortem. We're getting in early. A pre-mortem of the federal budget. And we are administering a citizenship test live in the studio. If you fail, you will be evicted from mm. the studio, from mm-hmm. the theatre, but probably also deported. Yeah, well, I, I assume so. We will. We haven't cleared this with Border Force yet, but they seem keen. <laughs> They're fine. If you need some evicting done, if you've got termites at your place, get them in. They'll sort that right out. <laughs> in the news this week, we have Andrew Laming, who has decided that we need a second, a new second verse. For the national anthem, one that that, that it resonates with Australian values and presumably doesn't have that awkward bit about for those who've come across the seas. And what rhymes with with mateship? Great ship, hate ship, um, hate ship. Nice. And speaking of which, Peter Dutton is insisting that his uh, widely contradicted explanation of what happened on Manus Island is from secret classified information. The media, specifically the usual suspect to the ABC, owe him an apology. And basically, he's much he's much put upon, certainly more than Yasmin Abdul Magid this week. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Dutton. He look, he's got access to secrets, to special secrets, secrets that he is under no obligation to tell to. I don't know the voting public. Be careful what you say. That's our next PM speaking. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and right. finally, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Farewell, family first. We barely knew you. <sighs> With that wonderful senator with his, who dressed up as a bottle. What was his name? Stephen Fielding, the human bottle. <laughs> no more. Hello, Australian Conservatives, SA Lower House Wing. There they are. They're, they've taken over. This, a, this is, this is the, beginning, the beginning of the, of the Bernardi March to Triumph. It's all or, or a very brief blip that will be eliminated at the next election. One of the two. Peter Dutton said it was inevitable. So <laughs> who are we to, to, uh, Our next to disagree? Our guest, uh, keeping the Sky News theme going, actually, Two in two consecutive episodes. We have the wonderful Janine Perrett here from Sky News, commentator and presenter extraordinaire. Hey, Janine. Hello there. It's been a while. I used to do shows with you back at Sky News. And, yeah, in the oh, days you were on Sky News before you back when I to the ABC. went in and chatted about stuff. I tried to do both at once and didn't entirely work out, but uh, it was a very nice place. They're lovely it is. people. Look, we're very happy. The reports of Sky Wars are very overblown. We're I, all a happy family. It's a, don't you just get together at the start of the day and have a bit of a group hug? That's what I. <laughs> that's what I've heard. <laughs> I've been in worse places. I can tell you, all <laughs> our dirty linen is out in the public, and we're all very happy behind the scenes. It, look, despite the stereotyping, it, it obviously is politically diverse. We we there are plenty of labour hacks, liberal hacks, it, it all coming in together, and some. Genuinely independent people, such as yourself. Can you imagine being in a place you've got ex-premiers, former leaders, the left, the right, people who've stabbed each other? It's extraordinary that no one's being killed, really. I think it's a very well, friendly place. Although now that Mark Latham's left, arguably <laughs> safer on that front. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to be the one who, who said... So when you say stabbing, the... Yeah. Look, the man has a track record with arms, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Uh, let's let's get into the news though, and the the values. I'm not going to say jihad because that would be un-Australian values, but that the, would be the, so un-Australian. I'm going to say crusade. That seems more appropriate. Um, we're now looking at really the most vital uh, locus of Australian values, mm. the second mm. verse mm. 
of the Australian national anthem. An anthem which everybody knows back to front and particularly everybody is already so familiar with the second verse anyway. Yeah. How many verses are there? Uh, 16. Depends on the version. There's actually four and one of the four is hilariously bad. I might look it up while we speak. (laughs) So are we going to add a verse or replace the second verse because it must be the bad one? I think we're replacing the second one. Isn't, isn't yeah, it kind of like the Statue of Liberty where it says we'll take everyone in? Isn't that the problem with it? Ah, that's well, well like Andrew it. Laming has claimed that the problem with the second verse is that it basically reiterates the first verse, which it doesn't. But more importantly, I'm not entirely sure why that's a problem necessarily, given that it is, after all, a national anthem rather than... You know, a mission statement this or is a, a, this a is series a, of KPIs. It's a secret a preamble to the Constitution, isn't it? They're trying. I can't get that through. <laughs> so I do that. Yeah, look, for once upon a time, Chaser live shows used to finish with the second verse of the Australian National Anthem, and it, it always got a laugh. You'd say, ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding as we perform together, and there was an Australian flag on the screen. The second verse of the and and <laughs> we'd done the lyrics up there, but we changed every second word to da da di da, and and everyone sang it. There was actually a beautiful moment. So maybe he heard that and realised there was a need for a better second verse. If people are mocking the second maybe verse, that's, that's where it is. Maybe it just needs to be punchier. It needs to be more proactive and a real a real competitor. I think we need we need some hip hop lyrics in there. Maybe get um mm. yes get get uh, Briggs to yeah. just come up with something. Briggs what would have some fly rhymes. He'd he have drop. some thoughts. What it says now. Um, uh, beneath our radiant Southern Cross, sing along if you know it, by the way. <laughs> we'll toil with hearts and hands to make this Commonwealth of ours renowned of all the lands. That's all right. Just fame. Harmless. Fame, yeah, yeah sure. big. This Heart is the bit hands. where we get into a little bit of difficulty. For those who've come across the seas, i.e. in a boat, we've boundless planes to share. Well, obviously ah, that's got to so go. So that's where it's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Now we've got to the crux of it. Boundless. No. No, there are, there are bounds. We have bounds, so definite many bounds, bounds. So many bounds. Um, with courage, let us all combine to advance Australia fair. Maybe he doesn't like strange. the scansion there. That, that, that two, the two is, is kind of throws off that. Like, I'm with Laming on that one. Yeah, yeah. look, Laming, I, I, I came to mock, but now I think about it, I reckon he's making a pretty solid case. Because it's a really important issue at the moment, isn't oh, it? The so second important. verse of the national anthem. Not a new national anthem, not nope. a new flag, nope. one particular verse. Hmm. I mean, this is a man who must be very, very desperate <laughs> for a little bit of media attention. More desperate than that poor Labor man in <laughs> Queensland last weekend who wanted to start a boxing match with Tony Abbott. I thought that was low, but no. <laughs> trying for the second verse of the national anthem is, look at me, look at me. Because you know what <laughs> And happens. we've fallen for it, you oh, realise. Of course, we're starting the podcast with it. <laughs> yeah. When you finish the, nas- the first verse of the national anthem, you've been in a football stadium, whatever, you've all sung it, you're going, I wish there was more of this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a say it's again. It's such a catchy tune. I think we should go back to the original second verse first from 1879. I've done my research here. You're not going to believe this is true. Um, when gallant Cook from Albion sailed to trace wide <laughs> oceans o'er, true British courage bore him on till he landed on our shower? shore. <laughs> then right. here he raised old England's flag, the standard of the brave, with all her faults. Yes, we love her still. Britannia rules the wave. It's waves. Britons never will be slaves. Anyway, in joyful strains, etc., etc. So that's... Well, it shows that they did update it. Yeah, they're, 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 they're it's open to the thing, idea of the it. So verse. another 80 years, we might do it too. I'm amazed that Tony Abbott isn't demanding we bring that one back. Well, the one he would like best is actually verse four the, of the original one, which mm-hmm. was, should foreign foe air sight our coast or dare afoot to land, 
We'll rouse to arms like sires of yore to guard our native strand. It's catchy, isn't it? <laughs> you kn- how on earth did it ever get up? It's only been the national anthem for 30 years. Yeah, how did it win the plebiscite? Yeah. Well, I, I assume it was V2. They didn't have this stuff in there. Um, though oceans roll between her sons in fair Australia's land, still keep their courage green, enjoy, etc., etc. It's catchy. It's though. not. We're well, judging by the sound of that. language that, that everybody uses. It, it's capturing, you know, our uh, our brave use of uh, arcane abbreviations. When Gallant Cook, our Albion, so oh, that's just how I speak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were talking about Gallant Cook just a, just a while ago, actually. And, yes, and how uh, our things. Yeah, he was telling our all sorts of stuff. Thanks Left for coming, Owa, to record this uh, this podcast. By <laughs> the way, oh, it was good. Cool. I was feeling fairly gallant. So I, I thought I'd pop by. You are very gallant. So, Janine, what is this all about? This this whole thing about valleys. It's uh, Turnbull has been on this. Um, I'm going to call it a crusade again for a few weeks. It's needed him a big fat one percent in the news poll. So arguably, it's within I the margin of error. You're being very generous. You said it's been a couple of weeks. It's been less than a week. And as you know, with Malcolm Turnbull, nothing. I'm calling it the new ADD. They cannot keep anything up. For more than a few days. So that was last week. So we're going to get a new one. And I, my tip, this week it's all going to be about the Coral Sea. He's going over there. It's not oh, to meet Trump. Is, are we going it's to build the battle some of the Coral Sea. So we're going to be back to values about mateship and the Anzac. The we can actually drag Anzac Day now on to May uh, the 4th because wait, of that. Wait. So this is important. Whoa, whoa. Janine, you're not... Can we just have a bit of reverence in the room, please? Oh, yeah, we can't talk about Anzac I wasn't Day. mocking Anzac Day. No, no. no you, but no you were way. speaking of it as though it could be changed from... from no, my... I'm saying we're <laughs> extending the, the goodwill and the values that we're talking about. And for once, Malcolm Turnbull will be able to keep a narrative going, as they call it, for a couple of days. But it's not about values in the sense of last week, I don't think. Citizenship's well, gone. Now we're on to Anzac he's values. Not, he's not exactly... Great at defining them. I mean, we pointed this out last week. We played the clip where he really struggled to um, string words together, which is unusual for him. He's normally he normally has arguably too many words at his at his fingertips, and he it was really downright Trumpian. He hit a shoal there, didn't he? When he when he tried to he hit a little coral sea bank mm. when he was trying to articulate. He did not rule the wave. He did not. He did not. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting tip. So we'll look out for the coral seas. Coming up there. So that will be a lot about the values. I think by then he might have found the values in the speech with Trump sitting there. We might have a lot about joint values, Aussie values, might be similar to US values. I was just thinking today, imagine if you're... for example. Yes, where's the wall all the way around, I suppose. Um, If you work in the the embassy in Washington, D.C., you have to watch Twitter 24-7 to see what Trump's thinking. Like Turnbull's got to walk into the room and meet Trump. With the latest thing, he's got to say, Mr. President, your first 100 days, why are they, it's a ridiculous standard, why are they doing, by the way, great first 100 days. You've got, it's a fast, <laughs> Trump's obsessions are a fast moving target. You, you, yeah, if you're going to suck it, up to him, you've got to update it every hour. Isn't it better that you can just wake up in the morning, have a quick scroll through your Twitter feed, you don't need spies out there? The spy market must be down mm. a bit, really, because oh, yes. you're not going to find anything else, what's going he on. He has no filter. Secret stuff. No. It's Absolutely just there no for filter. everyone. And you only have to prepare like 10 minutes in advance too because, you know, it's not like the things that happened yeah. a week earlier are still going to be relevant. He's the goldfish, coloured orange and <laughs> um, and very short attention span. Because what did they do in the embassy to give a briefing to Malcolm Turnbull? He can do his own. Yeah, just a couple of tweets. True. You don't need pages of briefing. 
Well, people have been saying this, this White House is very secretive. They're not going to release the visitor list. But in one sense, Janine, you're actually right. We could not be in, in less suspense about what Donald Trump's thinking. At any because point I saw last week Sarah Palin and, and the Clampets, I think it was, the cast of the Beverly Hillbillies, it looked like, <laughs> were there in the White through. House in the Oval Office. So, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the visitors we see... That's a very cruel and accurate portrayal of Kid Somebody Rock. called it that and they did look like the Clampets. <laughs> at, at least Sarah's not there as one heart bed away from the president oh, for a guy who's had three heart attacks. Uh, John McCain. So getting back to the values issue in the islands and all this kind of stuff. I mean, the thing that's weird about this is that it comes so unnaturally to Malcolm Turnbull. I mean, for Tony Abbott or, or even John Howard, putting on the Dreiserbone and the Incubra and going out and striding forth in defence of our values, that, that was authentic. They believed that stuff. Turnbull clearly is uncomfortable with it, isn't he? Well, I think he's uncomfortable talking about it, but you've got to remember, I know I keep coming back to Anzac Day, but two days ago... I mean, I think they're uncomfortable putting on the flak jacket and the helmet, but there he was in Afghanistan talking to our soldiers and I guess to him that whole Anzac story and the fact that if you read his talk about what he said to them, I guess that's values. He doesn't look comfortable donning that garb, he looks but more that's what you have than to do. Jared Kushner in really. <laughs> No. Okay. Did, he, did he mention shit happening at any point? No. That's a very well, it hasn't good, come out yet. I actually think that, that Tony Abbott, that was one of the most insightful things we've ever heard from an Australian politician about Afghanistan, where shit hmm. genu- genuinely does happen okay. all the time. Say, but, say what you will about Abbott. He, like, the idea that shit happens in Afghanistan, bang on. He, he is Mr. Shit Happens. Hmm. Shit happened regularly on his watch. I'm just wondering, though, is this the, is this the case? Aussie Mal. Are we supposed to believe this? Is anyone buying it, Janine? I don't think so. Do you? Well, you pointed out he only got a one percent bump in the polls, which seemed pretty small for having done what you would think would give him a, a bit of a bump. But then, of course, we forget that two days after his great Aussie values speech, Tony Abbott came out. They had another fight over leaks, and and the battle was back on, just as news poll was being taken. So I'm not sure it was really all <laughs> worth a mere one percent. But that's better than a one percent drop, and that's how we'd think. And as I said, move on. I mean, people like you are very rare. You're talking about something that happened last week. No, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. it's just not the way it works. Yeah, it's only because I'm out of date. Um, <laughs> But the funny thing, I suppose, about that is that if you ask what Australian values are, the first word that comes to any politician, certainly on the right's mind, the first word is mateship, isn't mateship, it? Mateship, that's and right. And yet Tony Abbott and Malcolm Turnbull, you could not have less mateship between two men, you know, anywhere in the country. Holden and Ford oh, get on better than that's, those two. That's where I disagree there, Tom. Uh, I, reckon, I reckon what we're seeing here with Tone and Mal is... Uh, is exactly the sort of mateship that we should be talking about. They're 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 not not afraid to uh, to 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 give each other a bit of shit. They're not afraid to like you know have that have that face to face conversation through the media. And I, I think that's a it's a very very worthwhile thing. You just know you know what they want to do. They want to hug each other. They want to go. Oh, I love you, mate. I love you. That's what they want to be doing. Off. Have a beer together. Do you reckon? Absolutely. Ever going to see that? Hundred percent. Mates don't steal What's mates' jobs. Oh, that's true. Oh, mates, mates don't, don't stab each other back. Yeah, but the thing is, at least they've done it to each other. That's the great thing about it. They should be good mates. They surely they can get together and go. I oh, you stole my job. I stole yours. That's it's right. fine. Yeah. My job was prime minister, but you did it first. They should be able to sort it out. Because what's happening now is you have a very weak leader being undermined by another very weak leader, and yet somehow. I mean, this could yet elevate an even weaker leader. Oh, yes. Peter Dutton's loving it. He's loving it. He's looking very happy at the moment. Very prime ministerial. Yeah. 
the the thing that that I am looking forward to about the the Dutton Epoch is that we we won't have these conversations about literally anything because he will just immediately say, "I have information on insert thing here," and uh, it's classified information. It's on water information, if you like. I'm uh, I'm I'm in no position to give this information out. Goodbye. Did Peter Lee. Dutton, when Malcolm was struggling at that press conference, say, did he jump in with his list of values? I haven't heard his list either. In fact, have we heard anyone in the past week, any politician, give a good roundup of what they think those values are? I think we've given a better roundup than they have, which is just yeah. mateship. Yeah, no, ma- but, mateship. But notice nobody's bought into this one, apart from Andrew Lamming wanting to change the mm. second verse about values. Well, Turnbull, Turnbull tries to do his ninja thing, as I said last week, and and go, oh, but Australian values are things like not beating up women or family violence. He's trying to be lefty at the same time as he's trying to talk about values and do a little switcheroo. Shorten had a great opportunity there as someone who does genuinely have beers with minors from time to time. Um, (laughs) He he could have jumped into this void, but he hasn't. He's he's let them swing. That seemed... I don't know whether that that was... I would love to think that was he wasn't rising to the bait, but I think it's genuinely like there's nobody in Labor who can articulate what an Australian no, value is. I don't is think either. anyone can come up with a value in this it's day and age because actually mateship, you know, politically incorrect. They wanted to take mateship off the Kokoda Trail. Sorry to bring it back to Anzac Day again, but <laughs> the Kokoda Trail had that um, statute to mm-hmm. mateship and there was a push recently to get rid of it because mateship Political is, correctness gone is mad. gender specific. Is it, though? I don't think is it, it is. And, of course, because everyone said, of course it's not about Have blokes. you got mates, Janine? I have lots of mates. Of course you've got mates. Mates. Are the mates exclusively male? No. Of course Of course not. they're not. It's fine. It's an Aussie value. We've, we've identified one. That's there we go. We've got one. And, frankly, mateship. It's not a bad one. It's a good it's one. It's not a bad one. It's and we won't have the feminist attack, attack us on it? No. No, okay, the sisterhood, it's the same thing. The sisterhood is a gender-specific mateship. It's, it's fine. That's right. Basically, Australian values are fine. We're all fine. There isn't a problem, unless occasionally, a certain, you know, commentators raise their head and get get it quickly chopped off, <laughs> so to speak. Indeed, not the one thing of anybody in particular. No, no, that hasn't happened for for days. So, look, back to Peter Dutton then, and this question of what he knew, when he knew, and all this sort of stuff. And this is just this. Scott Morrison brought this defence up. No one really was doing it so brazenly before he did the can't tell you, it's a secret, mm. I'd have to kill you. Yeah, well this this of course was uh, was Morrison's response to the uh, the murder that took place on Manus Island. Um, Riza Barati. That the, pretty much every step of the way it was we have classified information that we can't release. We have classified information that we can't release, we have classified information. We wanna we, we really to. want to release it. And the only information that came out was that it was definitely not the information that was being given over by PNG police, by uh, PNG residents, by the detainees, or by the Australian uh, staff of the detention centre. So it's pretty much identical to the situation that we have now, where shots were fired into the Manus Island compound. This was either in retribution for them leading a potentially non-existent child, uh, detainees leading a, a child into the compound, as Dutton has previously said, or not that, according to literally everybody else. Um, but he is very much 
doubling down on the I've got information that is too secret to reveal, which begs the question, if the information is child was being led into a compound and this made people angry, how how what's the secret bit there? Was was the child like a demon? Was 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 it really like a series of smaller children standing on each other's shoulders. I've seen The Exorcist. Some of those kids you got to watch. That's right. It could be a Children of the Corn thing, I guess. See, now, I have a problem with your comparison with Scott Morrison on this because Scott Morrison never said anything, if you remember. He did not say a word. It was impressive. And he got pilloried for wolf. it. Now, well, he Peter released... Dutton said some words. That was his problem. And then when he got in trouble for saying something, he's gone back to the Morrison, but the cat was out of the bag. It's a good rule That's that his if, problem. if you're going to say something, make it accurate. I mean, it, it's one issue to, to be an absolute stone wall, but if you're going to breach the wall, facts are good. Well, in the case of, of Barati, he did release three statements, two of which got very rapidly uh, replaced on the, on the official website. But so, not so not so quickly. So you get attacked you if you don't say a word, and then I suppose you've just, as as Dom says, you've got to make the words accurate. But mm. I think what's stunning about his performance of the last few days is the doubling down, the trebling down, and by my count, on I think it was his third Sky appearance yesterday, quadrupling down <laughs> with the old Trump. Customer. I know things you don't know. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I'm sorry. You, I can't tell you the things that I know that mean that I'm right and you're wrong. But you're just going to take my word that I'm right and you're wrong. See, there's another way here, Janine. There's another idea. I, I know it's a crazy idea. I know he'd never do it. But what if journalists actually monitored the site and were, were actually allowed to go anywhere near it? What if they? What if the media were allowed to actually dangerous lefty do their nonsense. job that they would as they would in Australia? If Australia are running the centre, paying for it, if we're funding this stuff, well, there's there's your problem because as Dutton correctly pointed out, the problem is the media, Dom. The problem is the media doing this whole investigation thing, interviewing witnesses, that sort of that that sort of lefty, dangerous. And nonsense. look at what's already happened. You had the ABC misquoting a uh, uh, well, misrepresenting a politician from the PNG who came out and attacked Peter Dutton, and then we find out they'd introduced him as a sitting member. In fact. He'd been thrown out days before. Now, oh, he was sitting, just not in the up. parliament. He was not in the <laughs> parliament. Did, did Fran now, Kelly say he was sitting in the parliment? No. And the he fact is, is anybody who's covered PNG politics, as I have, it's hard not to find someone who's been hit with the corruption allegation in the PNG parliament. They get thrown out and in all the time. And you do so have it to is check on a day-to-day -day basis. And, as well. and he was still on the website as a sitting member. But, you know, this is... So thereby the whole story's wrong because one of the people... Last I saw, the police chief is still the sitting police chief. He is in the I don't know what, what time you know is that? And you, you, another that, that, thing, if the journos actually get to go there, then we don't... I mean, this is the thing. We have this second-hand, third-hand, I can't confirm, I can't say. I just feel like there's no argument beyond avoiding negative political fallout whereby, you know, if Australia... If, if an Australian government runs a prison and they don't let people in, as we see, as in Dondale... You have to have supervision and transparency in but, but when people are people incarcerated. In prisons. prisons are not actually open to media. I mean, you can see when people, when you can the see whole point of a prison is they're, they're locked up and kept away from people. I mean, that happens <laughs> in all prisons, doesn't yeah, it, really? We don't get in. I don't know what the conditions are like at Long Bay. They don't actually have a Long Bay correspondent. But you're allowed to stand outside at the very You're allowed least. to stand outside. Well, I suppose you can you're go up to PNG and, you're allowed and to stand outside. Well, it matters. Nauru. You can't Nauru. No, Can't go near Nauru. Manus, if you want it, but let's be honest, most Australian media organisations don't want to cover PNG. 
So, yeah, Nauru you can't get on to. But, I mean, Manus, I suppose if you wanted to stand outside and talk to people, you'd have a different view to the immigration minister, but yes. But you're having things happening. I mean, you're having things happening outside the prison in Manus too. You're having riots, you're having guards allegedly, the guards allegedly leaving. You're having all, all this stuff could be verified by journalists, could be reported on by journalists. Well, to be honest, they did open up. It is now not the same case as Nauru. It mm. is open. They are out in the community during the day. So I think the ABC is the only one left with the correspondent there. So mm. it is interesting that nobody's up there. Well, I think Fairfax did send two journalists. There was a large-ish feature about a week ago. Of course, this doesn't stop the fact that they might have a different view. Yeah, this, this is also That's true. the issue. And, and the fact, <laughs> like, I, I think the, the main issue here is the refusal to brook any kind of disagreement or to even you know suggest this was the information i i was received we are investigating no the main issue that is it's a volatile situation is the immigration minister and his words and bullets and could inflame things and he's been asked not to inflame it that means keeping sturm i mean it's democracy 101 though that the 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 media's job which they don't always do well but which occasionally they're prone to errors in doing is to monitor what politicians do in the name of the public, is to, is to have an independent check and balance on what happens. And that hasn't been possible uh, in the immigration detention system for quite a few years, and it's a big problem. Anyway. But I think that the, the, the inflammatory angle is, is really, really important because, I mean, the, particularly the way that clearly Turnbull was expecting... Dutton to kind of back him up on the whole when, when he was when he was pulling the the aforementioned citizenship thing, <laughs> you know, there was that 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 idea that, that Dutton was kind of giving him the imprimatur as being like you know we're strong on values we're strong on on Australianness in some vague oblique way, and to offer some sort of cover, particularly if you have a somewhat cynical view that perhaps this was largely to stop all that conversation about so what's the budget going to do about housing affordability it's going to be to have Dutton kind of run with it in it's gonna, this, it's going to happen in this tradition i mean one one of the things about Dutton that he has done consistently is inflame the situation well and then and where's the prime minister well actually i know well, where he's he is in afghanistan. in afghanistan but you kind of wonder but peter dutton seems to be a protected species now that the prime minister's not going to haul mm, him and say look you know, you know well, just be quiet until the report comes out or let's not just make it worse mm. um you know no one's going to shut him up and he but seems to be running an alternative speciality yeah it, it's very strange it, so this what, is great we've got three pm <laughs> campaigns going at any given time only three <laughs> it's exciting. they're the obvious ones well, that was oh, the most. Which, which ones are we missing? Peter Dutton's oh, finest comment the, the, this week was all, Abbott, all, Abbott all of Dutton us want Well, they're the obvious. Yeah, Abbott Dutton. Do you genuinely think that Scott Morrison's given up yet? Well, if, if uh, he I hasn't, think, he I think should have. circumstances have given up on him. But <laughs> yeah, the but treasurer, that doesn't mean the baton's not in the knapsack. The treasury to use an Anzac analogy. It's, it's an extra, <laughs> it's an extraordinary um, way of killing your career being treasurer. I mean, Keating's the only one. Recently, he's actually managed not to destroy their career. No, anyway. Peter Costello threw his own. He probably could have done oh, that. He definitely, his, yes. He threw his it own It was his career. to take, that's true. All right, so look, who knows? Uh, <laughs> although that said, talking housing affordability, there is there are a couple of former camps that are going to be made available very soon. Manus, beautiful natural environment, <laughs> yeah, green fields. Water views. Very cheap, on water views, absolutely. <laughs> so give that a go. And, and Nauru, okay, it's an island made of bird shit, but it's, it's a beautiful Pacific island. Well, actually, there's not any bird shit left either. So, so 
that's either a plus or a minus. Is it a sinky? On your views. It's going to be underwater soon, so get in in quickly. It's a buy. Just bring stilts when you're loading over there. Let's uh, let's move on. Another fascinating story this week, um, the Olympic business. And this this gets us over to the Labor Party and some of the delights of uh, the way that they operate. Because even though they're not in power, certainly here in New South Wales or federally, but it's always good to be reminded of, of how they tend to work when they get there. Yeah, pause on things, Janine. <laughs> uh, and the Olympic Committee stoush has been going on, entrenched power, and once again, that beautiful Australian Valley that we all hold so dear, mateship. Yes, it's mateship. all about mateship. The fight for John Coates, who's been in the position of running the Australian Olympic Committee for 27 years, which is an awfully long time, uh, wants to go around again for another four-year stint and, and very upset that a, uh, uh, I won't say that it was a female that challenged him, Danny Roach, but she is a female. She's an ex-hockey roo, won a gold medal. And uh, at first they thought that would be just a, you know, a walkover. John Coates has the numbers. He's got the mates. But she's been getting a bit of support, a bit of good press. In fact, Malcolm Turnbull gave her a shout-out at the recent Sydney oh, Institute dinner. Cheeky. That upset the Labor she- type. So you've got... Graham Richardson's come out with an extraordinary column this week saying it's just terrible the way people are picking on poor old John Coates. All His he's mate. Done, all he's done is defend Australia and help us win medals, Janine. Medals. He got us the Olympics medals. and that deserve, he should be there for as long as he wants. Because when has the Olympics ever had a problem with old blokes staying around too long? When's that ever been never, a problem for the Olympic movement? I don't and, of course, um, Graham Richardson, who w- he was mayor of the Olympic Village. I think that that's might have been right, a John Coates surprise. Right. He was mayor. They looked for the most suitable, beautiful person to welcome <laughs> athletes around, to have a friendly face for them. And Richo. There was another column this week. Because the other thing is that John Coates has managed to unite Fairfax and News Corp because Richo, claiming victimisation of his mate, said that News Corp and Fairfax journalists were picking on him. There was only one and he'd been shut up. It was Roy Masters. He wrote a strong defence of John Coates. And if you got through the 2,000-word love letter, on the last bit it said, it, it actually said at the bottom, Roy Masters is a long-time friend of John Coates and then talked about the appointments John Coates had given him. Mateship again. You probably could have seen that earlier, but at least they acknowledged it, I suppose. Yes. But Australia's always worked this way. Mates. It's always worked this way, mate. Loyalty. Apparently it's about loyalty. Bloody loyalty. Except that John Coates is number two, who he's been incredibly loyal to, even when there's been bullying claims and HR problems over women who were let go or attacked because, you know, they might have had a miscarriage or had cancer. This is not a reason you shouldn't be doing your job. No, like if well, you're, if you're, you know. you're undergoing radiation therapy, I mean... You're not going to win a gold medal. You can do that in your evenings. You can't win a gold medal. You're not part of the team, was the quote of his number two, but he's been let go. So loyalty only goes so far. There's no I in cancer. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting, isn't it? Look, it's it's a perennial, really. And the the thing that I love about Richard that I've just always admired, from his political career to his media career afterwards, all the other things that have gone on, he never gives the impression of being better than he is. You know, he's never. You never. You, the book was called "Whatever It Takes." He's never pretending that he isn't a fixer and a dealer, and a, like. No, he's proud of it. I, I sit just, on a panel with him every Monday night. We had a huge Barney over John Coates, and somebody on Twitter said, "How can you sit with that? You obviously hate that woman." He said, "No, she's a mate, like John Coates. You've got to loyalty. defend your mates." And I thought, "There you go. If That's it. I'm now a mate." Jay Perrett. <gasps> 
They'll have Richard. You could be the next mayor of the Olympic Village. I haven't even told you the AOC. It's not only mates and Labor versus Liberal. It's Melbourne versus Sydney because we had to have that. Apparently, this is a Sydney takeover or or a Melbourne takeover for something that should be Sydney. It's all there. It's Sydney two thousand guys. Could be the next games. Does it? No, even wants Olympic Games anymore. That I didn't mean the real ones. I meant the show. The oh, the show. The, oh, the John Clark. Yeah. Oh, John Clark. He would have loved this. He wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? It seems cruel that this has happened. If you look after. back at this that show, rude. it was a fabulous show. We talk oh. about art imitating life. Never. I've been delighted. It's it's back on on uh, on iView. And, oh, good. And we've yeah. been rewatching it in, in my household and going, dear God, this was a good show. See, John Clark never wasted time by pretending there was a higher motive for anything, really. <laughs> he and Richo were kindred spirits in that way. All right, finally, speaking of higher motives, uh, what better higher motive than mm, mm. God and consistency, the, the union of the Christian Party family first and Corey Bernardi's Australian conservatives? Uh, it's, a, it's an unholy marriage in, in some respects. <laughs> but um, Peter Dutton said it was inevitable and it means that we have a slightly more unified cross-bench faction, that is, if you think that Family First was ever going to continue. Um, well, well, no, because the Family First Senator has announced that she will... Uh, uh, Lucy, and, and forgive me because I can't... Uh, I'm sure I'm going to pronounce her surname incorrectly. Um, Giucci, I think it is. Uh, she's the she's a Kenyan-born lawyer. She's the She was number two on the Family First uh, ballot. She is now accidentally become the family first senator supposedly she was put on the ballot during a two-week interning internship <laughs> with bob day which is just shows the the level of uh of assiduous care that that man paid to his uh political and business activities it's very easy to get a number two spot on a ticket at i was gonna party, say she's this the rod cullerton of the one nation mm-hmm. isn't she but yeah and like rod cullerton she has decided to go independent which i think is going to be fascinating because you know historically G- Gichuhi, family I think by the way Gichuhi, Gichuhi, thank yeah. you um because you know historically family first certainly in recent times with bob day have been the most reliable vote for the coalition they they I think the Guardian worked out he voted along government lines something like ninety seven percent. That's the thing the about families, Andrew. They stick together. They, they, they they, unless they're Lucy. Well, they, it is the only party that that doesn't openly hate families. But are you wondering? Did she decide to become independent before they merged with Corey Bernardi? Was she not invited into the new Corey merged party, or did she not want to be part of the merged party, or? Did she want to be an independent anyway? This well, is what I want to know. Her? When mm. she decided. That's a very good point. I mm. I had the impression that she had been approached that they that when uh, when Corey turned up with a skip to try and <laughs> pick up everything from Family First that wasn't nailed down and uh, and she politely declined. Got the, does that mean but, Corey's got the point. bottle suit? I really hope it does. That, oh my goodness! We've got to we've got to look into this. We should be tweeting he about this. They would have thrown that in. It's priceless. Cory Bernardi will never lose the Senate as long as that bottle But would he fit into it? He's very tall. That is true. You can always have, there's always a bigger bottle. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a bigger bottle. So, well, if you're, but if you're a crossbencher and, and look in the likely event that any of us get elected to the Senate, mm. it's much it's more powerful being an independent because they've got, to, they've got to woo you personally. 
I know. I mean, I can just see it how you've got... You just think of them. She's there with Jackie Lambie, with Darren Hinch. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can see now an, a new group Imagine of Imagine the dinner parties oh, they have on the crossbench. Be such does she, I wonder, does she know... Maybe that's why she wanted to be an independent. She wanted to be with the cool kids. Yeah. The, the, well, it is going to be a block of um, idiosyncratic pet projects. Oh, David Lionhelm, you've got some, some and we're all quality forgetting. people there. Rod Culloden's brother-in-law. We still don't know anything about him. We haven't had him yet. <laughs> Who knows yeah. what he is, except that he likes Paul Keating, which is fascinating. The great thing about I'm still betting that it's just going to be Rod Cullerton and a moustache. Yeah, <laughs> the best thing about the Senate is that... And, and <laughs> yeah, he's just run off with the key to the Senate. Um, the, the thing about the Senate is just whenever you think you can't get any more weird or fractious, it does. And Malcolm Turnbull, surely, post-double dissolution, is well aware of this fact. But we're just seeing it, it, it can always get weirder, mm. the Senate. And doesn't it strike you as odd, this whole... I mean, I'm kind of glad they're merging because that whole South Australian thing, what is it in the water there? What is going on? This is a near-bankrupt state that has all these right-wing parties, gets elected to the sea. Very interesting. Actually, South Australia is probably the best evidence we have that wind farms do cause problems (laughs) with people. I think think we need to take another look at that. Andrew's from South Australia. He didn't jump in with that one, though. Andrew, Andrew ran I was away curious as before the, the wind farms yes, were built. That, that's true. But after the murders, I had nothing to do with the murders. They, they've been nothing on me. You would, though, move to another state and grow a beard, wouldn't you, if you were involved? <laughs> in South Australia, generally. Yeah. And you, you were trying to think of another pseudonym for yourself and you were walking down Andrew Street and you just went, oh, I know what to this do. This podcast is over. <laughs> I was totally born with this name. What are you talking about? And you you kept it going for the next generation. Which this is, is true. This is true. I've got a I've got a, a fresh pea street. So, uh, so yeah, South Australia is weird. Is, I think is the is the takeaway from this. And, a lot of fine analysts leave that state. Look at Chris Kenny and Andrew Pea Street, and and Mr Bolt. He's another South, uh, Australian. He's South Australian. Mr Bolt South Australian. He's I did not know Holland. that. Yeah. Mm. And uh, and Annabelle Crabbe. That's true, actually. Mm. Wow, it's a bunch of us. So the we people all, who stay in South Australia, what's yeah, no the story? One, no one stays. It's just, you know when Corey you see Bernardi those... Corey Bernardi in one bottle suit. It, it is literally Corey Bernardi and like one of those robots that you you see in like 80s, 80s uh, sort of children's films where they're trying to make it look like there's somebody home and there's just a silhouette moving by a... By a curtain. That's a lot of those. It's the home. And they all state. vote family first. Really? I wonder what Nick Xenophon's going to say about this. Because it's, it's been oh, a few hours. We haven't had a press release from him. He, must he, will, have, into he will have some pun on this as well. Yeah. That's the yeah. other important It'll be fake thing. news. Somewhere. And it's interesting because like, I was looking at the numbers that Family First got at the last election. It's about 30,000 votes. And One Nation actually got more. Like they got about 32,000 votes. Like obviously, this this merger kind. I mean, I think it bolsters the Australian Conservatives against One Nation, but One Nation haven't really gotten much of a of a foothold but in South Australia. Because their they, biggest they, threat they is going to be Xenophon. Yeah, they pick up lower house seats in South. I mean, it's not really that. Given that Family First's one senator is not going to be part of this deal, mm. it's not that big a plus, is it? I mean, so Family First get a Senate connection, the Senate get it. The Conservatives get at least one or two more people who actually hold elected office mm. who aren't Cory Bernardi. But it, it seems like it's like kind of like two minnows hooking up in a faraway pond. Well, I mean, the, the, they get some funding because they've got uh, lower house uh, 
Actually, not not. No, no but they don't have two seats. seats. If Lucy had stayed with them, they would have been a lot better off. So Lucy has caused him a bit of a headache, I'd say. But as far as as the next election goes, because there are a couple of of representatives in the South Australian Parliament, there's there's a bit more funding there. They've got offices, they've got staff, they've got people on the ground. So it's beneficial in that sense. But um, which, you know, is helpful because up until now, I think they've just had the white-hot charisma of Cory Bernardi. And um, so you're saying they've extended the family to get more public handouts, basically. <laughs> I was just going to say it's all about money, Andrew. Really? Sorry, it's, it's about all values. About, it's about, it's values. about Aussie values. It's about conservative mateship. values. Mateship. Not sure mateship's the there. The family of mateship. When mateship mates join together for political gain, that's a, that's that's Australian, isn't it? Australian isn't it? as. Australian as. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on for the first time, Janine. My first ever podcast. Of any kind. Of exciting. any kind. What no, a wonderful thing that, that, that you as a, as a working broadcast journalist have, have lowered yourself with us. Not lowered. It's great media. fun. <laughs> it's really I nice. I enjoy this. I can see why it's taking off. <laughs> it, it's pretty simple. Just, just a couple of microphones and, and the internet. It's and like being at lunch. The world is yours. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't cook. Um, Andrew, I will see you Tuesday night at Giant Dwarf. You will. Keneally, Mark Humphreys, tickets, giantdwarf.com. .au. It is going to be incredibly fun. It, and don't forget, uh, we share the first half of the event on the podcast. The second half, when everyone's had a little bit more booze at the bar that we have at the venue, that went keep very, very quiet. That, that's, that's, when, that, that's when the A material comes out. That's when you get the gossip. That's when we start asking Christina Keneally what really happened. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Catch you there.